super friends, this is Eileen, that ADHD chick, coming to you from the still rainy California. We have had a few breaks here, like it's been sunny for the past two days, but apparently it's going to rain a ton for one day and then be sunny again for the next five days. So I'm looking forward to that. I am so happy to be back here in the new year. I wondered if anyone made any resolutions since my last episode. I have, and I'm struggling to stay on it, but I am not giving up. And that was to start creating the habit of exercising. When I miss a day, Normally, it's because I forgot. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) It's pretty pathetic sounding, but that's pretty much what happens. And so knowing that I tend to do that or that I have done it, I now moved my weight set. So I bought a new set of kettlebells and I moved them in front of the TV. That way, when I get in front of the TV, I'm like, okay, you are not allowed to watch your favorite show until you pick up those kettlebells. So basically going through a few reps, you know, whatever your routine is, like three sets of 12 reps of bicep curls. And that's kind of what I do. And even though it's not as organized as I'd like it to be sometimes, it doesn't matter because done is better than perfect. Having said that, Let's go into the episode and what I want to talk about today. So being perfect, why do I do certain things and why does it often have to be perfect, right? I've been doing a lot of personal development. And when I say that in the past five years, I've been very, very intentional about facing or discovering what my what, what I fell short on and how I can find ways around it because we can't fix the ADHD brain. It's it's not something like you fix, but you do find processes and frameworks and systems around your um your shortcomings and you you find what those are and you make them work for you. You make them your superpower. I know people are like don't say we have superpowers. We don't have superpowers. I know a lot of people say that, a lot of us who have ADHD, but I like to call it that because I never want to think that my inability to uh, you know, perform my executive functions is a hindrance to success in my life. I've never thought that. When I didn't know I had ADHD, it might have been the best thing that happened that ever happened to me. (laughs) Because if I knew, I might have labeled myself at a younger age. And back then, when I was younger, it was not as understood as it is now. And so I might have had major problems. So I think God has watched over me in that way where He was like, you know what? Let's not try to find out whether Eileen has ADHD or not. Let's let her live her happy life and, you know, deal with what she has to deal with on her own. I think she can handle it without having to label herself. So having said that, that might not have been the same thing 20 years ago. So when I say, uh, I'm glad I didn't know, this was 45 years ago. You know what I mean? Like when I was, I guess when I was seven is when... I, I was I was deemed gifted 
Okay. And sometimes that's just another way of saying you have ADHD (laughs) because I was so disruptive in class. I guess I talked a lot and things like that. If you guys go back to episode one, you'll know the whole story. So I never knew because back then my parents were like, no, you're not being tested for any of that stuff. That's, you know, that's baloney or whatever words they used back then. Um, and so I never knew. And knowing now, I look back at all the things that might have traumatized me in the past. And I realize, wow, a lot of things that happened to me or how I dealt with a lot of things was because I had ADHD and I did not deal with things in the same way as others would. And I I fully accept that and I have no regrets. Having said that, (laughs) I want to start talking about this thing we called guilt, guilty feelings. But I kind of want to shift it to the word shame. Okay, I was reading a little bit about this. And what triggered it is this morning, I knew I was going to have a busy day of meetings, but I am caring for my elderly mom. And normally I'll come out of my room and I'll go straight to the kitchen and I'll say, have you eaten? You know, I'll make her lunch and all all this stuff, right? But today I knew that I couldn't do that because that was going to lose my focus. Like I was going to lose my momentum of the day because I had already started doing meetings in my bedroom, right? And it might just ruin my whole day. So I had this anxiety, this hidden anxiety. And when I say it's hidden anxiety, it's because I don't actually know what it is until it's over. I just feel this thing in my body, right? And so I was thinking, you know what? My my office is in the guest house. So I have to actually leave my house, walk a few steps and go into the guest house, right? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the back door because if I go out the back door, I won't pass by the kitchen and I won't see my mom and I won't have to make her lunch and all this stuff. And I can go straight to work and I'll just text her and say, go eat the stuff that's in the fridge already, just heat it up, all this, right? I had an answer for it. But the guilty feelings took over. And now I know it was it's not guilt. It's actually shame. <laughs> so there's a difference. The feeling that you have when you're feeling guilty is when you're focusing on on what you've done. Like let's say you 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 hurt somebody at that moment, you feel guilty about it. But shame is a different thing. Shame is when you focus on who you are. And this is something that has been programmed into your, you know, your psyche. Growing up, all these outside influences come into your life. Your parents' upbringing, uh, things you did with your friends, your teachers, your other life experiences. They program you to be the person you are. And I love my parents, okay? So like, I don't blame them for this. This is just the way it was back then. And it was always, hey, don't do that because what will the neighbors think? Or like, make sure you get good grades because when your grandma asks or when your aunties ask you how your grades are doing, you don't want them to to think that you're stupid or something like that. So make sure that you're getting straight A's, right? So I'm Asian and I don't know about you, but straight A's is what you get. There is no B, okay? 
And that, that's old school. You know, I, I'm sure things have changed now, maybe in America, but straight A's are what we're always kind of striving for back in the day. Now I grew up in the seventies and eighties. So if I couldn't get that grade, then I felt like I fell short on something. I know that I'm smart because in second grade, I was deemed gifted. I was promoted to the next grade and I got straight A's in grade school. I play an instrument. I know how to fix things. You know, there are like a lot of things that we as ADHD people, we dive into a lot of things and we actually try to perfect these things because we can hyper-focus on stuff and we actually get good at many things. But then we now expect this high caliber work (laughs) from any of these things that we take on. And that includes things like caring for your parents, right? So I care, I um, am the caretaker for my mom now. And this morning I knew that it was going to be a busy day. And so I asked myself, oh my gosh, like how am I going to get through three or four meetings today and still make sure that my mom's taken care of. Normally I'll come out of the room and I'll go in there and I'll be like, have you had lunch? Have you done this? Blah, blah. Have you taken your medicine? And I would get all that stuff done. And I wouldn't start the day until about 1.30 PM. Cause I have my morning routine, which is my own meditation and my own whatever. And then I go to my mom and then I don't, I can't start my business day till after that. But today, since I had meetings starting at 11, that's two, that's three hours before my normal work day starts and I, something has to give. And so I told myself, you know what? I'm just going to sneak out the back door because if I go out the back door, I can go to the guest house where my office is without having to see my mom. And having to go through that whole routine of making sure she's fed and this and that. And I had this feeling of guilt or shame, right? Because you're her daughter. You can't even go inside and make sure she's, you made lunch for her and this and that. When deep inside, like really in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of her frozen, um, like her frozen dinners, TV dinner thingies that that adhere to the dietary, you know, requirements that she needs. And there's also stuff that she can heat up. So it's not, and and she doesn't mind doing it. She's fully ambulatory, right? And she doesn't mind doing it. But yet I feel like in my culture, oh no, you have to do all this stuff. You're, she's, she's an elder. You have to take care of her. You have to feed her. You have to cook for her. And then you forget that, wait a minute, she's been independent all her life. So why are you feeling this shame, this guilt of one day skipping the your little path going through the kitchen? Like, because you have a busy day. And I was confronted with that by a mentor during one of the meetings. I was in a hot seat and she was like, you're not serious about your business. And I was like, but I am like in my head, I'm thinking I am serious But you have to really take that tough love and say, wait a minute, how serious am I? Because I start to look back at when my kids were younger and I was a 100% stay-at-home mom, I wasn't building a business or anything like that. And every day was serious because every day was life and death, right? And I don't mean like I was a serious person. No, that's impossible, right? But I mean, 
every task of the day, you had to get it done. You had to show up. There was no, um, there were no excuses. You, you had to get them up for school. You had to make their meals. You had to drive them there. You had to, you had to, had to, had to. And that's how serious it was. That was the motivation because I love my kids and I love to take care of them. And I love to know that they are going to be safe. And if I didn't do that, if I skipped a day where I said, you know what, we're not going to school. We're all just going to like stay home and watch TV. I don't care if you skip school, blah, 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 whatever. Then I would feel that shame, that shame like I am not being a good mom. I am not, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible mom. And that's something that we as ADHD people, we actually run into this a lot. And it's what causes a lot of our comorbidities, you know, and, you know, with anxiety and depression, what is that other stuff, RSD or whatever. We need to first discover what that thing is. Like we need to face it head on. So one of the thing is sometimes if you are are trying to keep up with the Joneses, for example, because that's how we Sometimes we're, we, we, we become perfectionists, right? Because we feel like we're not like one. We're not like them. For some reason, I don't fit in. So you get all these negative thoughts about yourself. So you try extra hard to fit in. You try to do certain things that they do, or maybe even better. There is the beginning of starting your perfectionism, starting that, that, that habit of trying to be perfect, right? Then you go through feeling bad about yourself because sometimes you'll fail. A lot of the times you'll try to fit in and you'll try to do everything that they do and you just can't because you shouldn't be comparing yourself to someone else. You should be yourself, not try to be like the Joneses. So you start to feel bad and then you start blaming people. You start to get angry. Why can't I do this? And more perfectionism comes in. I got to be, this has to be perfect because I got to be like them. And then you just feel like giving up because you're like, screw it. I've tried everything. We also have the problem of not wanting to ask for help. So we're down in the dumps and then to top it off, we don't want to ask for help because we don't want to admit that there's something wrong with us. And a lot, this happens a lot, I think, when you do know that you have ADHD. If you're not medicated or if you don't have a regimen or something like that, it happens where you go through these steps of of this perfectionitis and all the bad things that come along with it. I'm going to tell you one of the things that I used to use in the past, not knowing, I still use this tool now. Uh, I'm going to call it a tool because we should. Not knowing that I had ADHD. I was always the person who wanted to be the class clown. Not the class clown, actually, but someone who wanted to laugh all the time. I wanted to have laughter in my life, a lot of humor. You know, I would always date guys that were funny. They didn't have to be the best looking guys or the the best personality, but if they were funny, I would date them. And I know now that, you know, laughing and having a good sense of humor is is a great weapon against this thing that we go through, this shame, this guilt, this depression, this blaming others, this lack of being perfect. You can go and watch a <laughs> a stand-up comic and just laugh your butt off and you will feel much better so much faster. 
And here's the best part. It's when you can laugh at yourself. That's when you start to heal from these issues. If you can, you know, I'm not saying, hey, let's be completely self-deprecating and, you know, that might backfire. So I don't mean that. I mean, like, look at what the shortcoming was. Like, was it that you didn't finish the Halloween costumes in time? (laughs) This, of course, I'm talking about myself. And what are the real consequences of that? And then you just start laughing about it. What was I thinking? Why did I think that I was going to be less of a person if I, if I didn't finish that? And you just kind of laugh about it. And that's what I mean about, you know, learn to laugh at yourself. Not in a completely self-deprecating way. I mean, just laugh at the times that you put yourself down and it wasn't worth it. Once you can do that, you can start accepting who you are. You can start saying, you know what? I don't know why I thought I can finish all my kids' costumes and mine on top of that. And I remember it clearly, I used to try to do that, right? I would try to like get all the kids' costumes and then myself and my husband's, and we would all go out as a family and do something for Halloween. Then time went by and I was like, I am killing myself doing this. So then I dropped it down to, you know what? I'm just going to finish the kids' costumes. And if I can finish mine, then that's awesome. But if I can't, then that's okay too. Because the whole purpose of Halloween in my eyes is, hey, make sure everyone has fun. And even if I don't have a costume, I'm still going to have fun. The slow process of accepting yourself is so powerful. And it all starts with things like that. Being able to laugh at yourself. Being able to laugh in general being able to accept what your flaws are because when you accept it, you can start finding systems and processes and fixes for whatever it is that you fall short, whichever, whatever you want to improve. Sometimes there are things you find out about yourself and you're like, you know what? I don't need to improve that because that doesn't really bother me. Another thing you can do, number three, is find others that are like you. And I don't mean like, hey, let's start a click. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, find a support group and that could be in the form of many different things. It could be your friend. They don't have to have ADHD, but there's someone who makes you laugh or there's someone who accepts you for all your flaws and all. And for me, lately, it's been my mentorship group, my accountability group. We all have our shortcomings Not all of us are ADHD, but there are things that we don't do or do that we don't like. Like we have bad habits, but we accept each other. And that is so important. So an accountability group, get one of those. A support group, get one of those. A best friend group, whatever you want to call it. Those are the people who are going to root you on every step of the way. They're always going to be cheerleaders for you. And they're always going to be there to give you tough love as well. Finally, if that is still not enough, then you can go to your friendly neighborhood therapist. I have been kind of like mulling over whether I need one of those only because uh, my support groups, my accountability groups, my mentorships, yes, I have them all. They are helping me a lot. So I don't feel like I need to go that last step, but I am not opposed to it. So when it comes a time where I think this is, you know, everything is overwhelming and I really need help and the accountability group is not working, the mentorship's not working, then 
for sure, 100%, I would go find like professional help, like a therapist. Sometimes I just want to go just to see what it's all about and see like even now, even though I think I don't need it, maybe it'll help me. And I'm sure there are a lot of therapists out there that are saying, yeah, I could help you. <laughs> but if I could save money for now and time, then I, I'm completely happy with who I am right now. I've grown so much as a person. And it may not have been therapy, but going to the retreats. And I feel so mentally and emotionally happy. So different from my 20s where, and I don't, I didn't know this at the time. But I would always wonder, like, why am I crying? Like, why is this situation making me cry? Um, why are my eyes watering when I get anxious? That still happens to me now. When I'm talking to someone important and I want to make sure I say the right thing, my eyes start to water. It's crazy. It's not, I'm not crying. I'm not feeling a, uh, a, a sad or a really, really powerful emotion. It's just like a trigger. It's like Pavlov's dog because I was so used to being like that in the past that now the physical thing that my eyes do, they just water, it's still inside me. And that kind of gives me a clue as to what I must have gone through in my teens and my 20s that this physical thing is still happening to me, even though I'm not feeling the emotions. So it's really, really interesting for me to discover things like this as well. And I love that I get to share all this stuff with you because I'm hoping that, you know, maybe this is resonating. Maybe this stuff happens to you too. And I'm pretty sure it does. If you have ADHD, uh, it might be worse. It might be less, but no matter what it is, know that I'm here for you. And you can always message me. You can reach me on my social media accounts. You can definitely send me a message through TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. And you can find that on my website as well, thatadhdchick.com. Anyways, let's wrap this up. I hope you guys have had a wonderful new year. If this podcast has resonated with you and you think it can help someone else, please spread the word, share this podcast out. Give me a great review. That way the podcast platform will spread it out to more people who my podcast might help. I would appreciate that so, so much. I very much appreciate all of you listening out there. I thank you for taking your time today, whether it's raining or snowing in your neck of the woods. I appreciate you being here. Until my next episode, this is Eileen, that ADHD chick, signing off.